Hello, my name is Gaetano, and today we're going to be talking about Virgil, specifically some lines in his second of three works, The Georgics. Virgil had three major works, and it is quite easy to remember when he wrote them, because he wrote them all ten years apart. His first work, The Eclogues, was written in 39 BC. The Georgics, which we will be covering today, which was uh, written in 29 BC, and his most famous work, The Aeneid, was written in 19 BC. Both the Eclogues and the Georgics are written with pastoral themes, which means they pertain to the lives of shepherds and those of the countryside. They talk about how the lives of some of these farmers have changed, they invoke the gods of the forests and the fields, and the Georgics themselves serve as a kind of bridge between the pastoral and the epic, which Virgil would take up to compose his final work, the Aeneid, which of course follows the hero Aeneas and his crew as they escape Troy following the events of the Trojan War and found Rome. The specific lines I will be covering today are about a quarter of the way through the first Georgic and talk about Jupiter as he changes the attributes of certain animals. It goes on to talk about the first humans and how they first explored nature and gave the stars their names and numbers. I find these lines interesting for a number of reasons, and I'll go more into detail about them after the reading of the Latin and the English, but I will give a brief overview here. Some of the early lines in this passage, especially those with proper names, show up in earlier works, some very notable works, if I do say so myself. I also see some parallels in these lines with uh, the Bible, specifically Genesis, which talks about the Christian understanding of why things are the way they are today. And without further ado, let's get into the reading of the Latin and its English translation. Illimalum virus serpentibus adidit atris, praedari quelu pos usit pontum quemaveri. Melaque decusit foliis ignem queremovit. Et passim rivis currentia vina repressit. Ut varias usus meditandex tunderit ad artis. Paulatetso quis frumenti quae eret erbam. Utsilicis venis abstrusum excuderet ignem. Tunc alnos primum fluisens erecavatas. Navitatum stellis numeros et nomina fecit. Pleiadas hiadas claram quelicaonis acton. Tum laque is capta referas et falera visco. Inventet magnus canibus saltus. At qualius latum funda iam verberat amnem. Alta patens pelago qualius trahit humida lina. Tum feri rigor at quarguta lamina serai. Nam primicune iscindebant fissile lignum. Tum variae venerates labor omnia vicit in probus et duris urgens in rebus egestas. He gave the serpents their black venom, and ordered the wolves to seek prey and the ocean to be tossed, struck the honey out of the leaves and removed fire, and repressed the river's errantly running wine, that the use of thinking upon such things may beat out little by little the various arts, 
and the unfurrowed grain seeking the grass, so that from the veins of flint-hidden fire are struck out. The streams were first felt through hollow elders. The sailor then gave the stars their names and numbers, Pleiades and Hyads, and bright Arctos son of Lycaon. Then was found the Uthnuses to catch wild beasts and cause them to fall, and the great gross run with hunting dogs. And another with a sling now slashes at the wide river, seeking the depth, and the sea drags his damp flax along the main. Then iron stiffness, the shrieking thin saw blade. For the men of old were cutting the splintered wood with a wedge. Then the pre various arts came. Shameless work conquered all, and poverty's shrewd push in matters of necessity. So that was lines 129 through 146 of the Georgics, of the first book of the Georgics. And upon first reading these lines, I enjoyed how they spoke of some aspects of nature we see today, and how they came to fruition, at least according to the Romans, and how hard work conquers all, as said in the last few lines of the selection. Upon further research, these lines became even more amazing to me. The first line talks about how serpents received their venom, and the passage as a whole talks about how things are now, i.e. flint from rocks, and how wolves hunt their prey. And I saw some parallels with Genesis, the first book of the Catholic Bible. This is just my own realization, it's not something from a scholarly source, but I also thought it was interesting how the passage starts off with the description of the serpent, and the parallel between the serpent's importance in Genesis specifically in the story of Adam and Eve. Another aspect of these lines is the language Virgil uses. Virgil speaks of how Zeus changed animals and nature to be as we know it today. These events took place long before recorded history, so all the Roman people had was myths to try and explain them. The language and words Virgil uses here are not entirely his own, and they tie into this idea of myth and prehistoric explanation. Line 138 in particular Pleiades, Heiades, Claronque Laconis Arcton, which translates as Pleiades, Heiades, and Most Clear Arctos of Lycaon, is quite uh, worthy of note. This line comes almost verbatim from a line from Homer's Iliad and from the hymns of Callimachus. From Homer, Virgil borrowed Pleiades, Theuadas, Te, which translates as Pleiades and Heiades, and from Callimachus, Lycaonis Arctoio. Lycaonian Arctos. O'Hara, in his work Naming the Stars at Georgics 1, 137 and 138, and Fasti 5, 163 to 182, states that this piece of work of two earlier authors helps bring the reader back to the time when Homer and Callimachus were alive, a time before any Roman at the time had been born. This fits in well with the story the lines are telling, a genesis of sorts that tells of how the world came to be. Another interesting aspect of these lines is that the constellations mentioned come up when Homer is describing the scene portrayed on Achilles' shield in the Iliad. This is yet another way that the Georgics serve as a bridge between the pastoral and epic, using these lines from the description of one of the most famous pieces of armor in classical history, and using them to describe how the first men used to navigate the seas. All of these constellations are mentioned in the Iliad, but Virgil does not include the constellation Orion, which is mentioned on Achilles' shield. Later, when Virgil writes about fire being struck out of rocks, he is alluding to the story of Prometheus, who stole fire from the gods and gave it to humanity. Prometheus, of course, is punished by the gods by being chained to a rock, where a vulture eats his liver every day. In line 131, Virgil takes some words from Hesiod's Works and Days, lines 
Line 50. Krupse de pur, translated as, and he hid fire. In line 136, Virgil alludes to the maiden voyage of Jason and his Argonauts by, on the Argo by Catullus in Catullus 64. Hesiod, of course, was a Greek poet active around the same time as Homer, around the 600s BC. Callimachus, similarly, was a Greek poet active in the 200s BC. Virgil's alluding to the myth of Prometheus calls upon Lucretius's De Rerum Natura, where he later goes on to speak about the origins of civilization and the gift of fire that came from the sky and allowed civilization to grow. Both Lucretius and Catullus were, both, were Roman uh, poets, with Lucretius living between 155 BC and Catullus between 84 and 54 BC. Earlier, I mentioned how you, Virgil uses lines from different past authors. He does not just do this because he is lazy, but rather to help bring the reader back in time to before Rome was the superpower that it was. This time is referred to as specifically as the Golden Age, when people lived mostly in tribes or clans instead of multiple massive cities. This was the time when the pastoral way of life ruled and industrialization was just beginning. Yet this is one of the many ways that Virgil ties the pastoral into the Georgics, reviving the old ways of life that city-dwelling Romans at the time do not even acknowledge. Along with these illusions, we get images of the first man hollowing out trees to become the first sailors, and then seeing constellations and using them to guide their way, the same constellations that appear in the description of Achilles' shield, tying the world of the pastoral and that of the epic together. We see the progression of man through time, starting from the very beginning. He then talks about hunting and how the earliest man worked to provide for himself and his family. Hunting and animals in general come up many times in epic, with heroes going on hunting parties and sacrificing large animals to the gods in return for their favor. I also find the lines about sailing interesting, because in both the Odyssey and the Aeneid, the majority of the story is spent on a boat, with the hero hopping from one land to another, exploring these unknown lands and finding either help or further obstacles. Sailing in Epic is a very important mode of transportation, and here we see the first instance of such transportation. When early man discovered new lands, they had nothing to help them out, just like the hero Odysseus on his arduous journey home. Whether it was his crew acting up and angering the gods, or just the wrath of the gods in general, the Epic hero was always up against something. This is a similarity that is shared with the first humans, as they did not have anything to work with and had to build everything themselves, with no predecessors to show them the way. In this way, I think that Virgil is using his descriptions of nature and of man's evolution as a metaphor for his poetry. As man evolves, learns, and discovers new places, his poetry grows as well. Virgil uses nature to represent his works, and how they have grown in both style and theme. He started out with the pastoral, where he talked about trees growing and becoming more gnarled. And now, in the Georgics, he is talking about those same trees being cut down and becoming ships which man uses to travel and discover, while still talking about nature and how it grows and shapes the world around him.